Welcome to Detention. This week in detention, we have Donald Trump. Again. And, uh, yeah, again, for something <laughs> way, or I shouldn't say way worse, but something that is going to be uh, definitely talked about in future history books. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Montana legislature and, you know, Iowa's legislature in a way as well, but mainly DUI Kimmy for specific purposes. But yeah, you know, lighthearted week. Speaking of lightheartedness, got something for you. So Donald Trump, Donald Trump said that if I voted for Hillary Clinton, I'd have a president constantly under federal regulation. Yes. I did. Mm-hmm. And we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Yeah. You know, it's like he's very good at, you know, predicting future events for himself. Yeah, predicting future him. Yeah, you know. I said I said this was going to happen, and it hasn't happened. I got to go do it. Exactly. So I look like I'm right. I mean, in a way, he is right. It's just that's he all is, he cares about. I, you're right, but you know, not this to this, you know, egregious kind of level here. Speaking of this egregious level here, yeah. So Trump was indicted last week, or I shouldn't say indicted. The uh, sealment of his indictment was released this past Friday, um, mainly on espionage charges. So you know, something that's easy. Right. Yeah. Don't don't share classified information. Exactly. Relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. So special counsel Jack Smith, who was appointed by the DOJ, kind of have this independent kind of trial on the documents that Donald Trump had taken from the White House, uh, released the indictment charges for former President Donald Trump with felony violations of facing our national security laws and participating in conspiracy to obstruct justice. This is a result, like I said, of Trump's unrifled possession, storage, and obstruction to return uh, these classified documents that he knowingly took from the White House and refused to turn them over to the National Archive upon several requests, resulting in an FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. So the federal charges are against both Trump and his personal aide, Walt Nuota. 37 total counts are against Trump. 31 of them, like I mentioned earlier, are violating the Espionage Act. So the charges 1 through 31 are all listed as willful retention of national defense information, which if you were to read the indictment, which I encourage everyone to do so, just so you can get some more clarity of what he is actually being charged for. It's about 45 pages if you guys are curious. And it's really not that long, and it is extremely detailed and laid out. To the point of, like, this is what had happened, and this is why he is being charged. There's no gray area whatsoever. So most of those charges, like I mentioned, are specifically that. Because of the documents that he had had, and not actually turning them over to the agencies that were requesting them initially. So most of them are that. Count 32, or charge 32, is conspiracy to obstruct justice. 33, withholding a document or record. 34, corruptly concealing a document or record. Count 35, concealing a document during a federal investigation. Count 36, uh, scheme to conceal. And then count 37, false statements and representation. Uh, Six total counts are against Nualta. And basically every count that Donald Trump was charged for 32 and onward that I just mentioned, he is also charged for because he was directly dealing with the events that 
cause those to become about anyway. So it is um, extremely detailed. I'm thinking that since Cody has next week off because he's going to be on vacation, that I will do kind of a special mini, I I don't even know how long it's going to be, to be honest, but some type of podcast next week where it'll just be me and I will basically read the entire indictment just so everyone has that at their disposal if they don't want to actually listen to it themselves. Um, and that'll be Wednesday. He'll find something to do for sports and entertainment. Possibly. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I do have options that I'm kind of hopefully going to work towards and see if I can get some additional help. A guest co-host. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. It might be someone new. It might be someone who's been on here before. We, yeah. we honestly do not know at yeah, this point. We do not. Uh, The indictment shows that on at least two separate occasions, Trump showed classified documents to visitors without security clearance at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, one of which was a classified military operation that he showed a representative of his political committee. The other was a recorded conversation that Trump consented to when he was in the room with these people that included Trump, a writer, a publisher, and then two members of his personal staff. Trump stated in his conversation that this document was, quote, highly confidential and secret and stated that, quote, as president, I could have declassified it and, quote, now I can't, you know, but this is still secret. So the clip that I'm going to play you here will be him basically discussing this entire sequence. It's a little over a minute, um, but the clip is a portion of the recording that Trump consented to have where he was showing a classified document of an invasion plan of Iran from the Department of Defense that he personally requested. So I'll play that now so everyone can kind of get a general idea of the severity of what's going on with this. I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't that amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look, this was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We look at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. Pages long, look. Mm. Wait a minute. Let's see here. (laughs) I just found... This totally wins my case, you know, mm-hmm. except it's like highly confidential. Yeah. <laughs> secret. This is secret information. Look, look at this. You attack it. By the way, isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was just thinking because we were talking about it. And, you know, he said you wanted to attack Iran. You did. This was done by the military and given to me. I think we can probably, right? I don't know. This is the first time that I've heard this, and you guys should see see my face. Like, I really do wish that we could find another topic to talk about, and we could just like ignore it. But we wouldn't be doing our due diligence if we did. I thought this guy gets off on just being able to know things and have the power and be like, "Oh yeah, look what I have." access to look what i can tell you and that's what i'm kind of thinking of like is he 
actually just that dumb. He's just and, showing and, off. And he just takes these things as personal trophies that he can show off and show, look how important I am. That's exactly what it is. Or, and some people have made these conjectures too, I don't know if I completely agree with it, just for how level of dumb he has been throughout his entire life. I don't think it's just him playing an act of how dumb he is. That he took these knowingly in order to potentially sell them on later down the road to different foreign governments or different people to make money, right? That makes sense, right? He's wanting to make money in any way that he possibly can. Especially if he needs it. Especially if he needs it because, you know, he's lied about his finances before. So who knows how dire straits he actually is in. But it seems way more likely that he is just a pompous ass. Well, if you listen to the last, what, 30 seconds, uh, 15 seconds of the clip, Mm -hmm. when he's talking... The people he's talking to are laughing, and how I interpreted that laughing is like, oh, my God, you're this dumb for telling us this? Oh, my God. It's nervous laughter. Yeah. They're extremely nervous because he's just willfully showing these papers to people who have no clearance whatsoever to see this, and they're just like, holy shit. And right. then, like you said at the end where Trump started talking about how, you know, or his staffer was like, we need to figure out what we're going to do. He's like, declassify? And he's like... Yeah, sure. And then Trump's like, you know, I could have declassified these when I was president, but I can't now. He actually couldn't have even declassified them as president either because there's a whole process. Right. And he has gone on the record in other interviews saying that because he was president, he could declassify whatever he wants. And even just thinking it, he says that he can even he can even declassify things if you're president, which but is you not can't. true. You, you have a process. You're, he is mistaking being the president for being... A totalitarian. Literal dictator. Like, you you can't literally do whatever you want. That's not how this works. You have, like, our founding fathers did checks and balances for a reason. Are they perfect? No. We have seen this time and time again that they are not perfect. But you, you really can't. And I, I don't know how much more you, like, want to dive into this or how much more you have on notes on this, but this I is a lot. Okay, well, we'll get back to it because this is a nice transition into my part. So... We'll get back to it because I, I I do think what you have to say is important. But now you have all of these Republicans blindly just backing him. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you guys not realize that what he's doing is dumb? His his fan base is not going to win you votes. Go to the roots of the what the the people who got you here, oh, and yeah. it is not them. Well, so for some of them, it is, but you can. I don't understand how you can be uh, an elected official of the people, see this, and be like, we have to follow this guy. Are you that fucking stupid? Like, this is so dumb. And I I just want to read my whole article. It's very small. It is an opinion piece by um, Travis Geddes. Uh, he wrote for Raw Story. And it's pretty much what Trump's followers are saying. So... His followers are threatening war over the former president's indictment on espionage charges. Republican lawmakers and politicians have responded to the indictment with incendiary rhetoric while pro-Trump message boards have been ablaze with violent threats reminiscent of the online chatter before the January 6th erection, reported Vice News. Quote, MAGA will make Waco look like a tea party, end quote, said a user called 1776 Take Two on the Trump Forum, the Donald. Quote, I used to laugh when my mom said that she was afraid if she registered Republican, she may be arrested one day. I'm not laughing anymore. Just buy more ammo, end quote. 
A federal judge or a federal grand jury indicted Trump last week on 37 charges brought by a special counsel, Jack Smith, like you said, and some of the threats targeted the official who appointed him, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Quote, America cannot allow this cowardly thug to destroy our democracy, quote, wrote one Trump supporter on the forum. Quote, this is what the Second Amendment was made for, buy a gun or help organize your local militias today, militia today, end quote, which we have talked about before is actually treason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last little bit of this is some of the Trump supporters use language suggesting they hope to, the unrest would launch a race war quote, accelerate the quicker the normies realize that this isn't a free country. The quicker things can be fixed and quote, wrote one user of the Donald. Others were more succulent. Um, this one is just mind blowing. The whole quote is I want blood. I want fucking blood. Yeah. Jesus. So thinking more about like these Trumplicans who are just totally entrenched in his vile bullshit and dogma of Republicans are so infallible they can't cause any harm or do any wrong that, okay, the fear of having or being a registered Republican and that you not being able to voice your political opinion is horseshit. There's in no way anybody going out there to try to silence people who are Republican just because, again, that is a decent portion, almost half of the country that is registered as Republican. There's in no way able for anyone to silence half of America in that way. Are they trying to silence the more extreme aspects of it, the Trumplicans who are, like you said, wanting to create war, start a race war, and then use the Second Amendment as a scapegoat as reasoning to then start killing people who are trying to at least not make the United States go back to what it was pre-Civil Rights Movement or even further back yet, right? I don't care what you have to say in that aspect because that is just so entrenched in so much hatred that it it's blinding all judgment. I we kind of talked about this before we even recorded that I, I read an article earlier about how the re, the Republicans who are defending Trump, none of them have actually said he's innocent. They, Flat out, right. no. None no. of them have even stated so he's Be, innocent or this is a... I, I'm sure some of them have said that it's a witch hunt continuation. Right. But not that he is just outright innocent. And it's because they know he's not. It would be insane to claim and make a per, a public statement as a public official that, no, he is innocent off of these charges. And a really good argument to say that they can't use that is the video or the audio we just listened to that he was openly talking about sharing classified information that he had with people who did not have the claims. Mm-hmm. That is automatic proof right there that he willingly did that. So you can claim that he's innocent, but you would be actually just straight up lying. Exactly. And continuing on with kind of the more indictment aspect of this, um, going into different charges as to why he was indicted anyway, when asked to return um, these classified documents over to the Department of Justice because Trump was not cooperating with the National Archives, Trump ordered his aide, Walt Nualta, who is also listed in these indictments, to begin moving boxes with classified documents in order to obscure them from investigators. So that's where you get kind of the conspiracy to uh, conceal, scheme to conceal, um, concealing documentation during federal investigation, that kind of stuff, right? You're having your personal aide 
move things away from an active investigation so they cannot be found. That's a federal crime because it's the FBI who is raiding you. So that's illegal. He did so without informing his attorney, apparently, which is listed in the indictment. Uh, the, his attorneys were participating in the search of Trump's property in accordance with a court-ordered subpoena that was given by the Department of Justice. So Trump was actively working against his own fucking attorneys, which is really fucking dumb. Trump also encouraged uh, a different attorney to sign off on an official documentation for the subpoena, stating that he had turned over all necessary classified documents. So his in the indictment, you'll read that there's attorney one, attorney two, and attorney three. Attorney one, his main attorney, is working in line with the subpoena and is trying to track down these classified documents. Trump is actively working against him behind his own back, but once the attorney basically convinces Trump, like, hey, you need to turn over everything. This is about to get really serious. Trump hands over a few of the classified documents, but keeps a large majority of them for himself. In that act, Trump is, quote unquote, appeasing the subpoena and handing over classified documents to his attorney. The attorney then needs to put it in a special type of kind of folder or something that's then sealed, wrapped up, and then has additional signature put onto it. Trump convinces his attorney to allow a different attorney, attorney number three, that's listed in the indictment, to do that signature. But attorney number three was not involved in the gathering of those documents and has no idea that the documents that are in there are actually valid. So that is illegal. You cannot have that done because they're not a part of the actual subpoena process. So because of that, um, that it finishes another additionary charge on Trump because he is not following the subpoena and he's actively trying to work against the FBI and the Department of Justice. Uh, the movement of these documents from area to area in the boxes was also captured on security cameras at Mar-a-Lago. So they have the actual footage of this aide and some other people actively moving these boxes away in certain areas and trying to hide them as well as text communications between different workers asking about these documents. So not only do you have video footage, but you also have text communication between the aides of like, Trump wants these boxes moved here. Did you do that yet? He wants these boxes moved in, boxes moved into his office to look through them. Have you done that yet? That kind of stuff, right? All of this is all documented. So it just makes it worse for Trump. And I don't know how anyone, like you said, could ever say, oh, no, he's innocent. Because, again, there's audio, there's now video, there's text messages. And, you know, even if you want to say that maybe some of this isn't that important, it's like, but you still have to follow the rules. You really do. Mm -hmm. Especially at this level. They are classified and they are deemed classified for a specific reason. Yes. And only specific people have that classification, again, for a specific reason. I couldn't just, or let me rephrase that, I shouldn't be able to, me personally, just walk into Mar-a-Lago go to the bathroom that it's at and start looking through documents. Is it that easy? No. Cause as one Republican from Kentucky pointed out, there's a bunch of, uh, bathrooms and so and bathrooms, but a secret service there. Mm -hmm. So there is an issue of security that they could probably, yeah, hurt you. But it is not a facility meant for that. No, you have to go through a process to make sure that a facility is in that 
like following that criteria to mm. be able to house things. He did not do that, causing there to be problems. And a lot of people have also making, you know, kind of a, a similarity between like uh, Pence keeping documents and then most recently Joe Biden also keeping classified documents. The only difference is, is that when asked, they immediately turned them over. And it wasn't that the uh, National Archives or the DOJ had to contact Pence or Biden about those documents. Pence's own aides and Biden's own aides realized that they had these in possession and then contacted the National Archives saying, hey, we have these and we should not. How do we get about getting them to you? As opposed to Trump being repeatedly asked on several different occasions to return them and then did not and tried to obstruct it. Um, Trump also suggested at the onset of the subpoena from the Department of Justice that they just hide or destroy documents called for by the subpoena, which is also dumb. This was uh, corroborated by his attorneys. They say that this was an option that Trump gave them to do instead of just following the subpoena, which is dumb. Several of these documents were were stored in boxes that were left in public places, like you mentioned, at his Mar-a-Lago club including a bathroom slash shower, a ballroom, which is open to anybody, an office space, his personal bedroom, and a storage room. All of these included with pictures are in the indictment, so if you actually go through the indictment yourself, you'll see the images that the FBI took of where these are taken. They're not great. They are not great. Also, for the point that you kind of made um, a little bit earlier that you should be kind of held accountable for your actions. And that this is something that if you are doing this, you need to hold yourself to that standard, right? Back in 2016, when Trump was first running for his presidential campaign, he made multiple statements about the importance of keeping classified documents and top secret documents safe and secure, and that when it is when he is president, he'll make sure that the punishments for leaking and stealing such documents is actually harsher. Because at the time, he was jumping on Hillary Clinton's case. With Benghazi. He believed that the way that she had stored documents on a private server at home was a violation of these different um, espionage acts, which were they possibly, I don't know, and should there be more looking into that? I mean, they already did. They held like four or five different hearings with Hillary Clinton kind of talking to Congress about it. The Republicans did an investigation and they didn't really find anything that was terribly out of the norm, at least not worthy of breaking any type of major U.S. law code. However, with Trump, it's a little bit different. Now, I want to play kind of an audio compilation of Trump during his 2016 campaign talking about the importance of keeping national security secrets secret and that he as president would do so. So I'll play that for you now. In my administration, I'm going to enforce all laws concerning the protection of classified information. No one will be above the law. We also need to fight this battle by collecting intelligence and then protecting protecting our classified secrets. We can't have someone in the Oval Office who doesn't understand the meaning of the word confidential or classified. One of the first things we must do 
is to enforce all classification rules and to enforce all laws relating to the handling of classified information. We also need the best protection of classified information. Service members here in North Carolina have risked their lives to acquire classified intelligence to protect our country. It really is like talking to a child. They don't remember what they say. Well, not even a child. Like, he said it himself of, like, we need to ensure that we protect these secrets. And we can't have someone in the Oval Office who doesn't understand how important it is to protect these secrets. Nobody is above the law. No one is above the law except for me, Donald James Trump. I'm sure is what he meant to say afterwards. Right. But this is a this is all stuff that is included in the indictment as well that they're going to use as evidence against the defense for him because you clearly said this, yet you broke your own rules. So again, if you read this indictment, it is extremely detailed, where it goes into so much of what Trump did to obstruct justice, uh, how uh, he believes that he is also in some way breaking the law and admitting it in recordings and just the overall cover up of trying to keep what he wants just so he can show it off to people who do not have the security clearance. So wrapping this up here with my final couple of stuff, this is obviously the end of Donald Trump. I believe with almost a hundred percent certainty, he will be convicted of almost every charge. I'm sure because he has had unlawful possession of these classified documents found in his residence. There's those audio recordings of him showing classified documents to people without any security clearance. There's video evidence of Trump's aides moving those boxes to avoid being detected by a federal investigation under Trump's direction, text messages about the movement of those boxes, and then statements provided under oath by Trump's attorneys stating that the events that took place in which Trump lied to them and then went behind their backs against the subpoena by the uh, Department of Justice. I believe it is unlikely that he'll go to prison, though, since this is such an unprecedented territory. This really just goes beyond the scope of Watergate in so many ways, where that was the closest we ever came to having a president go to jail. But because he wasn't actually uh, found guilty of anything and then he was pardoned, that just kind of goes by the wayside compared to everything that is happening with this. And this isn't even the end of Trump's federal charges. He is still under investigation uh, for his involvement with the call to Georgia for trying to call up more votes during the presidential presidential election in 2020. So that is still something that is also incredibly damning. So with most certainty, he will not be president again due to the fact that one, he is a huge national security risk. Obviously, out of all this, that's something that we learned. He pissed off the entire defense department and other national defense agencies, including the FBI, CIA, Department of Energy, and others. Because he proved to those agencies that he is not trustworthy, they cannot give him in good faith necessary information that would be required for him to be president in order for him to do his job. All presidents need to work closely with these different executive agencies in order to effectively run the country for both domestic and foreign policy, right? And if they can't trust him to keep that information secret, then they're not going to give it to him. And then what's the point of him being president? Kind of falls short. And then lastly, when convicted, the Republican Party has no way of just dropping him and cutting all ties 
If they do, it would be extremely idiotic, in my opinion. And he will most certainly not win the 2024 election because he will not be running as a Republican at that point, hopefully. He'll probably be considered an independent, and no independent party or third-party candidate ever wins. So... Uh, Trump was arraigned earlier today in Miami and pleaded not guilty to all 37 charges. He is, his passport was suspended, and he has a list of people that is being developed of who he cannot contact relating to this trial. So but he'll break almost every single one of those rules. I'm sure he probably will, or at least try to. But again, if you are, I cannot imagine his attorneys right now have to be talking to him of like, you cannot fuck up anymore. One, because I just won't represent you. I'm sure that's going to be a discussion, too, of, like, if you just make things worse, I'm, I'm not going to defend you because that's just proving you're just making this job more difficult than it needs to be. But then, two, why should I defend someone who is going to continuously just keep breaking the fucking law? This is a federal charge. You could be going to potential prison, and if you are convicted, you will not be able to vote for the rest of your fucking life. Because you're a convicted felon at that point. So that's the last bit of this. Like I said, <laughs> I will probably go more into it for next week's episode, talking more with the indictment specifics of what was given out. So next news story. Yeah. Another lighthearted news. Um, Montana. <laughs> I yeah, I guess. Montana becomes the first official state to now ban drag readings to anybody in a public place it seems They're, like i know that to the people who actually pay attention to a lot of these drag bands you're thinking this is not the first time like they're not the first ones theirs is a little bit different yes and did you write down the main difference yeah so this bill is unique because it defines such an event as one hosted by a drag king or queen uh, who reads children's books and in, in a to a minor child or children it does not require any sexual element to be banned so those other bills that uh, cody mentioned are specific to uh the sexual context that they think that these readings are occurring in based upon uh, how they dress i'm assuming this is specific to if you are in drag you cannot read a book to a child flat out which I think is ridiculous because the only note that I put on here is because we've talked so heavily on these drag bands, right? And, and I've actually used this argument before. So, I, I mean, it's just a constant cycle of opinion after opinion. But how is being in drag, and especially going to the sexual manner, because Montana is going to be a little bit different, obviously, because they're just attacking drag in general. Mm-hmm. How is it being, quote unquote, sexualized any different than Hooters, Twin Peaks, Tilted Kilt, those kind of restaurants. That, and I would even raise the bar, and I think I've mentioned this before, of like child pageants. Yeah. Those are insanely disgusting because you have little girls dressing up in swimsuits modeling for judges. Right. That is way worse. If you want to talk about sexualization of children, that is literally by definition it. Right. That's inherently disgusting. Um, bill took immediate effect after Republican Governor Greg Galforte signed it into law on May 22nd. And I made a tweet about this on our channel or our Twitter page too. Maybe it was a little bit mean, but I 
once this bill yeah, was passed. Because we care about being nice. Yeah. And I'm going to be a little bit sexist here is I made the comparison of like if there's a brave soul in Montana who would like to dress in drag as the governor's wife because she's pretty fucking ugly. That's where I'm being sexist. If anyone's brave enough to dress of her in drag and then read to children, they should. That way they can say that his wife was fucking arrested for being in drag. But a little bit petty on my end. The bill initially sought to ban minors from attending drag performances, which were defined as shows that um, intend to excite lustful thoughts, is what the bill originally said. Hooters, Tilted Kilt. Any of those. Twin Peaks. Exactly. Same thing. But they changed it. They amended it to ban minors from attending sexually oriented or obscene performances on public property, specifically. Uh, Governor Galforte also signed a bill into law that defined what the word sex means into state law, which means it can only be between male and females. Anything outside of that is not considered sex. If you are transgender or if you're gay, lesbian, anybody in the queer sphere, LGBTQA, whatever. If you are not having heterosexual sex, that is not sex, apparently. Interesting. Weird, right? Why does that matter, in my opinion? It's happening in their house. They're literally just forcing their opinions on people with laws, which, you know, you could argue the other way. With, like, if we get stuff that we want past, like, gay rights, you know, you could argue from the other side that they're just forcing their opinions on us. But we're not removing rights. We're adding rights. There's a huge difference. Well, even then. We're not using laws to oppress people. We're using laws to let people be them. And the only reason as to why they would be needing to have laws specifically saying, oh, two gay men or two women can get married or... Uh, someone who is transgender can get gender-affirming care or surgery, whatever that may be, right? The only reason why we're making those types of laws is because there are laws being made to go against that. So it's totally reactionary. If people did not make laws in the first place to make these things illegal or say that they cannot happen, then there would be no need for anybody to go against it and say, no, this should be a thing, right? So it all falls back on them. They have this some fucked up morality that they think gay people should not be able to marry. And then if you're transgender, you're just going to have to deal with it and kill yourself as opposed to actually getting any type of care that you need. Right. And for whatever reason, they think, oh, well, that's just normal. Anything, any, anything outside of that and trying to come against what I believe is then abnormal. And therefore you're attacking me and my beliefs. Which, again, like we've discussed, does not make any fucking sense. It's just backwards thinking. We were going to talk about the Iowa budget breakdown. This episode's running a little bit long. Was there any just highlights that you wanted to kind of just discuss discuss quickly before we get into surprise topics? There's three main things that I got through, um, so I'll just touch on those quickly. So one of the things that was passed is that the governor, Kim Reynolds, has the authority to strike individual lines of the budget, which I think is really fucking dumb. It adds a lot of power to the governor's chair that does not need to be there. Right. Literally, if there's if she's if there's a line on there that says we're going to add 
I don't know, $50,000 to wheelchair accessible entrances. I mean, I know that follows ADA policy, but let's just go with the thought process. And she doesn't like that. She can say, nope. Yeah. And just move on without it being approved or denied later. It's just gone. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Um, the other two things are in education. So they had, an, they were talking about what each state school gets and they actually had an idea to add into UNI's budget to pay or give a stipend to undergraduates doing student teaching, which I love the idea on. That'd be nice if I had that. And the reason why I like the idea is, I mean, people who are on the right side might be thinking, well, that's just free money. But the thing is that they don't understand about student teaching is it's a full-time job that you are not getting paid for. And you've told me stories about your level your level four is your student teaching about what your mentor professor was telling you. And it's asinine. Well, yeah, she flat out told everyone in our orientation of like, if you have a job outside of this, I highly recommend that you quit, which is crazy because you have to make money to live. Yeah. And And they were not paying. And that was the thing that everyone was thinking of. And we had asked repeated questions of like, well, we live off campus or we have car payments, right? We have things that we need to pay for and we don't have, just ample funds to pay for five or six months of student teaching. Yep. And those expenses. Yeah. So I actually like that idea uh, because again, it's a full-time job, so you should be getting paid for it. But on top of that, it does entice people to go to the university, which they need help getting mm-hmm. students. So exactly. I think that would be a great idea. And then we've kind of talked about this before with another university, but this is very common now because uh florida did it and i know somebody i know two people who work at the university and they both confirm this so they're cutting dei and i think that is ridiculous because what they're doing is they're looking into the funding to see what is actually being taught in those classes now i will say i think cutting dei is ridiculous but i like the idea of them looking into DEI to see what they teach. And the reason I say that is because me personally, I think that DEI focuses way too heavily on the visual diversity of people and not so much in the internal diversity. And we were talking about this beforehand, which I'm glad we do that because it really helps me collect my thoughts. Mm -hmm. This is the best way I can explain it. We talk so heavily in our society about mental health and we talk so heavily, heavily, heavily about DEI. You mix those two things together I think is one of those big conversations we're not talking about is how the mental health aspect of diversity plays a part and how people don't really think of that as diverse. But like you and I are actually a great example, right? I make jokes about you all the time about how you there's like nothing wrong with you. And it's weird to me on paper. Right. But (laughs) like you don't have anxiety. You don't have depression. You don't have one of those big name. I don't have debilitating or um right overly whatever you want to say yeah aspects of those i've yes. never seen you mad yeah. and i've barely ever really seen you sad and i've known you for almost 10 years yeah whereas me on the other hand i'm mr sad boy and <laughs> i live in my feelings and you've seen me mad you've seen me sad you've seen me depressed right so we don't talk about that enough so i don't i don't have an issue with them looking to dei but the thing that you and i said is that they're going to come to the wrong conclusion mm-hmm. when they're doing that. But cutting DEI, really terrible fucking idea. I also, I read through it, you know, a while ago. I have not read it since. And the website that I use for it only allows for one viewing before it starts charging you. And I couldn't get back into it after that. 
But I remember reading that, you know, just overall education budget in the state is being cut. Uh, Funding that's going towards the special education services for students in the city of Iowa, which I work with in a particular district, is also getting cut. Um, Funding for the AEA agencies that help work with special education services in different schools across the state of Iowa is also being cut. So it, it just kind of pisses me off a little bit when that was one of the first things I read of like, oh yeah, of course, education's getting cut again for no good justification other than Kim Reynolds wants to use more of that money for her private funding of schools, which is not going to be beneficial for the state whatsoever. Right. So it's just continuous horseshit. Surprise topics. Yes. Mine's relatively quick. I called mine angry orcas. Okay. Uh, you know, killer whales. Yes. Uh, Dan Chris, who is a sailor of more than 20 years of sailing experience, um, has actually been attacked twice by orcas. And he's actually saying that they're learning to become more organized and faster in their attacks. Well, you know, I think dolphins are kind of given the same rap too. Yeah. They obviously have, they're almost like herd-like creatures. Yeah. So I'm sure it's very similar. So he was first attacked in 2020 and then recently attacked again um, this year in April 15th. He was quoted saying the first time we could hear them communicating under our boat, this time they were quiet and it didn't take them long to destroy both rudders. Um, Him and a crew member on the yacht told Newsweek. um, Chris also said the latest tax was more organized and switched than the one three years ago, saying that looks like they knew exactly what they were doing. They didn't touch anything else besides the rudders. And adding that a large female orca chased the boat and, quote, wanted to finish the job. Hmm. Um, so this kind of his first attack in 2020 happened while he was sailing through the Strait of Gibraltar in the same area that was spiking for vessel attacks by orca since 2000. Um, he was saying he was sailing with his delivery crew through the Strait of Gibraltar delivering a yacht when he was surrounded by a pack of eight orcas pushing the boat around for about an hour. Um, he believes that it was actually the same pack of orcas that attacked both times. Um, although most interactions with orcas have been harmless, there has been an increase of number of orca attacks off of Spain and Morocco. It's unclear what's really driving the orcas to attack the vessel so violently, but orcas are increasingly aggressive behavior has seen them ramming new and sinking boats. Um, some marine life experts say that traumatized saying that a traumatized orca called white Gladys may have kickstarted the trend of orca boat attacks, which to me, can you imagine right. one? Right. All I can think about is like some lay Miz style orca thing saying, we need to defeat these boats revolution. Exactly. And it's one orca that's leading the charge. Yeah. That's just weird to me. It's the Karl Marx of orcas. Right. Uh, experts are saying to try to remain calm. Um, quote, it's best to try not to interfere with anything that they're doing, like socializing or hunting for their prey. Um, but just maintain your course and your speed, basically not doing anything, sudden changes. I just, animals are smart, man. Well, yeah, I mean. That's, that's nerve wracking because orcas will fuck you up. They're big. One of my favorite videos, it's sad, but one of my favorite videos is an orca just because the shits of it just punted a dolphin. Mm-hmm. Just fucking punted him. Because it like could. 40 feet in the air. It's funny, but it's like also like. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, we think that we're the smartest, but we clearly don't understand the lives of any of these other sea creatures. So We take them for granted. Exactly. My surprise topic, I named uh, Dead Rising. Did someone die or falsely get 
accused of being dead and then basically oh, fuck. i did a surprise topic like this uh earlier this year something of similar where someone was pronounced dead and they weren't and this is very similar so it just keeps happening apparently it's more common than i thought 76 year old bell montoya uh, was declared dead at a hospital in ecuador she then startled her family members after knocking on her own coffin during her wake to, to get out of it so relatives including her son Gilberto. Barbera then immediately rushed Bella to the hospital. Montoya initially was admitted to a hospital shortly before all of this happened with a possible stroke and cardiopulmonary arrest. And then uh, when she did not respond to resuscitation, the doctor on duty declared her dead. Barbera said that her mother was unconscious when she was brought to the emergency room that incident and that a few hours later, a doctor informed him that she was dead and handed over her identity documents and then a death, cert- death certificate. The family then brought her to her funeral home and were holding a wake later when they started to hear strange sounds. This is, quote, uh, There were about 20 of us there, Barbara said. Quote, After about five hours of the wake, the coffin started to make sounds. My mom was wrapped in sheets and was hitting the coffin. And when we approached, we could see that she was breathing heavily. Though she was rushed to the hospital immediately after that incident, Bella is still in serious condition. Uh, she was under intubation and doctors weren't giving relatives much hope about her prognosis. You know, because she was pronounced dead, did not get the medical treatment, treatment after suffering a potential stroke and then coming to consciousness and realizing that she is in a fucking coffin wrapped up in blankets. That's probably very traumatizing. The incident was then has prompted since a government investigation into the hospital and a formal review of how the hospital issues death certificates. Where was this in Ecuador? See, I I don't hear about this happening in America. And I think the reason why is because I'm fairly certain we embalm people before they're in a coffin. And that's what I thought, too, when I read this, of like she woke up during her wake. I'm like, oh, they must not take out all blood and organs and embalm people in Ecuador. That's my immediate thought. Yeah. They either don't have that as like a necessity like they do in the United States or they just maybe elect not to do that because of cultural reasons. I don't know. But when I read that initially, I was just like, damn. That would be extremely traumatizing if I was a grandchild at that fucking funeral. Right. Like, grandma's alive. What the fuck? (laughs) So. Yikes. Happens a lot more than you think, I guess. All right. So that wraps up this week's episode for the news and politics section section of the Detention Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please spread the word and encourage others to listen as well. You can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1. Or you can send us an email at detentionpodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.